Our God is with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But what if salt goes flat? How can you restore its flavor? Then it is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. You don't build a city on a hill, then try to hide it, do you? You don't light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket, do you? No, you set it on a stand where it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before others so that they may see your good acts and give praise to your Abba God in heaven. The good news of salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There are important messages that are filed away in a special compartment of the mind that we go back to over and over again because they tell us something significant about who we are. They may come from a movie or a book or a song or just something profound a close friend says to you. Among these messages are some amazing compliments I think of one from a 1997 movie called As Good As It Gets, in which a severely obsessive-compulsive Jack Nicholson says to Helen Hunt, You make me want to be a better man. What a wonderful thing to say to someone. Bob has given me that compliment, and I treasure it. <laughs> I remember coming out to a dear lady many years ago, someone with whom I will soon celebrate 50 years of friendship. She took the news of my sexual orientation very well, as expected, and said, that explains why I always feel so safe around you. <laughs> she said that because she had become accustomed to straight men who had no clue as to how to be a friend to her without expecting certain benefits, if you catch my drift. Other gay men could tell you similar stories. It's no wonder that social scientists tell us that some of the healthiest friendships are between gay men and straight women. I always feel so safe around you is a compliment that I very much want to deserve. The word compliment comes from a Latin word that means that which fills up or completes. Sincere compliments give you a sense of completion. They are messages that reveal truths that fill you up spiritually. They do so for both the giver and the receiver of the praise. When my friend gave me that compliment, she wanted me to know how genuinely my authentic self affected her, how it filled her, how it complimented her in return. 
And like that Jack Nicholson character, it made me want to be a better man. The compliments that I most remember are not the ones that acknowledge a particular skill or talent I might have. Singing, organizing, navigating high-tech stuff, I surely don't have that one. Or making pie crusts, just ask Bob. <laughs> the best compliments are not about what I can do, but about who I am. That's why Jesus' compliments in today's gospel are so foundational and genuine and why they stick with me so completely. You are salt. You are light. Not you are good at teaching or gardening or cooking. They focus on something real in your very being. Something that is true about you regardless of what you do. Salt and light fill you and complete you. They did the same for Jesus. What we hear today comes from the Sermon on the Mount, where Matthew's Jesus resembles a new Moses who gives not commandments, but beatitudes, blessings. The passage has Jesus connecting to his audience, complimenting them, stimulating their imagination by reminding them of the truth that they are as precious as salt and that they are capable of flooding the whole world with light. Those images must have spoken volumes to that audience. In those days, everyone knew the practicality and value of salt. One did not take it for granted. It not only flavored food, it preserved it. It was expensive, too, not easy to come by. In some parts of the ancient world, it was used as currency, money. A modern parallel to Jesus' compliment might be, you're worth your weight in gold. Precious, valued, treasured. That's what it means to be salt of the earth. When someone we love and respect dies, that person is sometimes eulogized by saying that he or she was the salt of the earth. It is a way of saying that this person seasoned life by being decent, honest, down-to-earth, unpretentious, dependable, and conscientious. Joe Radlett fit that description. He was truly the salt of the earth. Those of you who remember him would no doubt agree. How I wish that described more people especially in politics, but I won't go there. <laughs> Jesus' listeners hardly took light for granted either. Once the sun went down, if our ancestors wanted to pierce the threatening darkness and keep predators away, they needed to build a fire. You couldn't just flip a switch. Light was something you had to work for. A typical house had a stand in the middle with a receptacle for some kind of plant-based oil, for those who could afford it, and something dipped in it that was lit. That was it. When Jesus told the people they were the light of the world, that was a huge stretch because all that most of them could imagine was barely enough for a house. 
let alone the whole world. White had far more meaning for our ancestors than it typically does for us. So these are compliments you can't take for granted. Salt and light are metaphors, of course, but what Jesus' crowd didn't know was that they were literally salt and light. The human body, by weight, is a little less than half a percent sodium chloride, salt. And scientists tell us that light is a vital ingredient in all atoms throughout the universe, including the atoms that make up our bodies. So it's true physically as well as symbolically. We are salty and we glow. <laughs> Salt of the earth, light of the world, high compliments indeed. And like all honest compliments, they fill you up and complete you. They tell you who you most truly are. They make you want to live up to them, to live into the truth of them. But to truly appreciate what Matthew's Jesus was preaching, there is another symbol that must be explored. To more effectively be salt and life and light, I have to say no to whatever stands in the way of my saltiness and my glowing. So we have the symbol of the bushel basket. <laughs> like a stand-up comic, you can imagine Jesus getting a chuckle out of the crowd when he proposed the absurd notion of covering up that, that what little light we can generate. Why would you do that? Who does that? Why, why would you go to all the trouble of finding some oil and a wick and doing the Boy Scout thing of rubbing sticks together to produce a flame and then just have it light no more than the inside of a bushel basket? What lame brain would do that? Why limit the light when you are actually filled with it and the whole world needs it? So what are the bushel baskets that keep limiting my light? I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I think one of them is an occasional attitude of intolerance toward those with a more conservative worldview. Maybe I don't want to waste my light and my saltiness on those people whom I perceive as closed-minded and unreachable. That's a crappy basket. Maybe my bushel basket is a sense of pessimism and futility. I might think of the depressing climate change situation and think, what's the use? Nothing's going to change. I could give in to the foolish idea that my light is so small and insignificant compared to the hugeness of the problem that I might as well just keep it to myself. Another crappy basket. <laughs> I suppose my basket might be called a lack of self-confidence. I'm not as smart and sophisticated as those other people whose light is so much more obvious, so much flashier than my own. If I try to shed some light on the complex problems of war and poverty and gun violence, I might get ridiculed. Staying, saying nothing is safer. 
It's like some advice falsely attributed to Abraham Lincoln that says, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. <laughs> your basket may be the result of years of lies that told you that you are not really salt of the earth and light of the world because you're the wrong color or the wrong gender or the wrong sexual orientation or you don't make enough money or have enough education. What a basket. The person's basket might be the product of being sick and tired of misogyny and heterosexism, anti-Semitism and racism and transphobia and hatred of immigrants. The basket may well come from exhaustion, from fighting discrimination for so long. Out of frustration, we just might throw up our hands, invert that basket and cover the flame. We might just go shopping retreat to the perceived security of our sometimes selfish lives and hope that someone else, someone else will shine a light on all those cruel, ugly attitudes because have we not seen enough of that already? The recent murder of Tyree Nichols by police in Memphis brought to the minds of many the horrible killing of Emmett Till in 1955 by white supremacists. His body was grotesquely disfigured, but Emmett's mother insisted on an open casket at the funeral. I want the world to see what they did to my baby, she said. That was a glaring, harsh, truth-filled light and out of love for her son, she would not allow it to be hidden. Like it or not, we are salt and light. And to be my most authentic self, to live the truth of that compliment, I have to stop using those damn bushel baskets. I have to stop being a basket case. <laughs> Living life basket-free can cause trouble, it can be risky, it can get you enemies. So it takes dedication and courage, a word that literally means big heart. Even Paul says in our second reading that he had his own baskets. He approached his ministry, he said, with weakness, fear, and trepidation. But he learned what we must learn, that the payoff of basket-free living is far too great to let fear keep our salty selves from shining. If you banish the baskets, Isaiah tells us that your light shall break forth like the dawn. It will rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Your thoughts?